0: Hi guys, welcome to the Jay Martin Show. My name is Jesse Day and I'm filling in temporarily for Jay. I have a great interview coming at you with Gwen Preston of the resource Maven. As always, there's a link below this video where you can subscribe to Jay's weekly newsletter. It's a ton of fun. I myself love reading it each and every week. So be sure to check that out. And now my interview with Gwen Preston. guest writes a weekly subscription newsletter at Resource Maven. It is none other than Gwen Preston. It's great to see you, Gwen.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Jesse.
0: Thanks for coming on the channel. So I want to start with a post you made on Twitter about what appears to be a banking crisis unfolding. And your tweet says that a horde of unhedged treasuries caused the second largest bank failure in U.S. history has illuminated the risk hanging over today's surprising economic strength. 400 basis points of hikes matter, especially after a decade of low rates. Safe haven anyone, hashtag gold. So do you think more people will be turning to gold now that it's becoming more and more obvious that the traditional financial system is weaker than a lot of people anticipated?
1: Yeah, I mean, we've just come through. 2022 was a really interesting year, right? We had an unprecedented a uh, series of rate hikes in speed and scale. 400 basis points in a year, next level, right? And like I mentioned in that tweet, that happened into a system that had been just carrying along at like almost zero rates for a decade, right? So it's not only was it unprecedented in its scale and uh, pace of rate hikes, it happened into a market that's very leveraged because we've had no interest rates really for such a long time. And so this happened in 2022 but we didn't have we didn't really feel any impact from it right instead we had this continuation of what I kept calling surprising strength I mean even into November December we were just like wow the numbers still everything still looks pretty hunky dory and that was and I think a lot of people struggled to understand that we had this endless debate about hard landing soft landing and finally by the end of 2022 people were like maybe the planes just not going to land like maybe we're just going to keep on flying and that would be lovely except 400 basis points of hikes into a generationally leveraged market absolutely matter. And so, you know, when, when things unravel, there's always the first thread, right? And now is Silicon Valley bank the first thread? I don't know if we're leading. I don't know if the next thread is going to happen soon, but I do think that Silicon Valley bank is the is a very, very clear reminder that 400 basis points of hikes into a market that's been used to to no interest rates will matter. And it will like sort of, we have to pay the piper at some point. And so I think that it just illuminated, it reminded everyone that there's this huge risk hanging over this surprisingly strong market that we are still in. We still have really low unemployment. We still have, and, and when you have low unemployment, And people have jobs, then they keep spending. And spending is the most important driver of the U.S. economy. So, like, we are still sitting in this moment of surprising strength, but there's this risk hanging over it. And the failure of Svb reminded everyone about that risk, that it's very real, that it can, you know, its it's tentacles will reach far and wide into households, into corporations, into banks. Um, And so whenever risk becomes a major part of the conversation gold always performs and i'm not i sound like a gold bug saying that and i don't want to sound like a gold bug but it's true and that's because gold reliably rises first and strongest out of recessions it does work as a hedge and and when you are in a situation like this what are you supposed to buy well you're supposed to buy gold so even though gold in the second half of 2022 people were kind of like meh because of all this surprising strength. And if the plane was just going to keep on flying, we wouldn't have needed a safe safe haven. So maybe people didn't care so much about gold. But now that conversation has shifted and it's shifted quite suddenly and it's shifted in favor of gold for sure.
0: So you've mentioned recently as well that the current economic climate feels, you said, eerily similar to the buildup to the 2008 financial crisis. So could you draw some parallels between 2008 and now? And do you think the end result of all of this could be as bad or, or maybe even worse than, than the GFC?
1: Mm, well, I think my real parallel, yeah, so, okay, so I, I there's a few parallels that I see to, to the past, even though we're in an unprecedented situation. So those things seem like they don't work together. But anyways, um, I think one real really good parallel is up to the tech bubble, actually, as well. Because the tech bubble was the culmination of a frenzy of speculative investing um, that took the entire market in, and then it had to pop. And that is, now, did we see the popping of that speculative investing bubble in 2022? Well, we kind of did. I mean, the broad markets were down 20%. That's significant, right? And so, and we did see a shift from for the first time in a decade, we saw a shift from um, growth investing to value investing. And we hadn't seen that in such a long time. So it did feel like that transition was happening. And of course, the interest rate parallels were similar. We had very low rates then. Like There were a lot of things. The inflation setup was parallel. So there were a lot of um, parallels to that. Is it, is it analogous to the great financial crisis? Well, the banking risk, let me be clear, is nowhere similar SVB was characterized as a small bank, which means less than $250 billion in um, assets. There are a good number of those banks, and a whole bunch of them are struggling right now because, interestingly, following the great financial crisis, the regulators really focused on making sure that crises could not happen again. We'll see. But anyways, trying to prevent crises at the big banks, and they actually loosened regulations at small banks and then stopped paying attention to them completely which is why svb was able to build up this huge portfolio of treasuries and not hedge them that's that's on svb but anyways um and so we're not facing uh, the same kind of banking risk that we saw back in 2008 that's not the setup but there are nonetheless real risks in this economy like i say we have corporations with huge debt loads and just imagine just think for a second about the fact that we've had very low rates for a decade and think about and the reason you have low rates is to literally encourage companies and households to take on debt because they can use that money for growth that's the that's the premise But then for a long time, up until just over a year ago, there was like the gospel was, well, rates will never again get above 2%, right? That was presumed the ceiling for rates. So think about how many entities, institutions, like funds, banks, um, corporations, households, think about how many of them took on debt that they are going to struggle to Carry once it rolls into the new interest rate environment. So there's a lot of risk out there. It is not the same as what we were facing um, in 2008, but there is a lot of risk out there. Will it turn into as dire a crisis? I don't, I don't know. I I truly don't know. I, I don't think so. Um, because the lead up has been so aware is maybe is one way to say it. Like we're there's there's a lot of awareness out there that we've been, gone through some really crazy times. And so I don't think it will come out of nowhere the way that the mortgage crisis ha- came out, felt like it came out of nowhere in 2008. And maybe time is on our side in that sense. So
0: I want to ask the question if the free market is dead now, because it feels like all eyes are on the Fed. How much will they raise rates? Will they pause? Could they pivot? And all these decisions made by the policymakers there seem to have an impact on the broader markets, the dollar, the gold, the way gold trades. And it it, it might be psychological in that people are expecting things to have a certain effect. So then they allocate capital, sell and buy accordingly. But nonetheless, it feels like We've moved away from a free market system where buyers and sellers determine the price. So have we moved now into a more centrally planned economy where investors have to be more mindful of what the powers that be are planning?
1: I would say in this moment, that is an accurate statement. Whether we remain in that situation, I think will depend on whether the Fed can, again, the sort of the ball is in the Fed's court, but whether the Fed can get us out of it. And by that, I mean, there's been all this focus on pivot and there's been all this um, presumption that, OK, first, the, the ceiling was going to be 2%. Oh, oh, wait, we actually had to go well above 2%, but it's going to come back down again. The, you know, we we can't handle it. I actually think that the Fed it took its opportunity to ra- and and needed to raise rates dramatically because it needed to get inflation under control and now is going to try to keep rates at a real level for some time because the Fed doesn't want America to become Japan and that is sort of what you're asking right is America going to become Japan and I I think there's an opportunity here for that to not happen if the resolve can, if if Powell can hold on to the resolve and and his team to keep rates um, where they need to be so that the price of money can go back to being a, a traded thing instead of just um, coming from those central bankers. The fact that we had to exit the great financial crisis and then we were just maybe sort of kind of getting out of it when the pandemic hit and slammed us back to zero. You know, I, I don't think... There'll be lots of opinions on this. I don't think the Fed wanted to take this level of control, but there were these unprecedented events that required it or that they they decided required it. Um, and so I think they want to extract themselves from that situation, but we'll see. I mean, there, there's a lot of big questions out there about you know government debt loads and, and whether those are sustainable. And so whether this extract yourself from a centrally planned economy is possible when there is the debt loads, you know, the the liabilities that the government holds. These these are big questions. Um, as for the market focusing on the Fed, that's just where we live. And it, I'm sick of talking about the Fed. I'm so sick of talking about the Fed. But we have to talk about the Fed. The Fed really matters.
0: Yeah, I agree. I'm kind of sick of it too, but you 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 can't escape it. So in terms of the, the Fed's fight to control inflation, was this a big step back for them, this banking crisis because they've expanded their balance sheet once again to bail out they don't call it a bailout but essentially it it feels like it is yeah and um how how do you see that affecting their attempts to fight inflation can they keep raising rates on one hand while performing this bailout quote unquote or is is this going to get away from them and 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 cause them to have to pause maybe cut rates and and inflation will need will, will be consistent moving forward.
1: Certainly this is quantitative easing um and so that is you know fundamentally counter to a tightening cycle. Right now the most significant components of inflation are services. And so that is more of a consumer end of the spectrum than a to be blunt tech millionaires and and tech startups. They overlap for sure. Everything overlaps in the economy, but they're they're not, uh, they, they are also quite dissimilar. And I think the raising rates probably remains the most direct tool. The Fed has the worst toolbox out there, but amongst the limited number of tools that they have, raising rates is still the, the most direct tool that they have to try and impact services inflation. And that is the thing that needs to come down for headline inflation to come down. We'll see next week whether, you know, I mean, I, I'm pretty confident they're going to go ahead with a rate hike. It would be shocking to me if they didn't. I think they will stick to 25 basis points instead of 50, which th- that had been the question before SVB, everyone assumed. Anyways, that had been the question. And now I think they're going to stick to 25. Um, I think, um, and and interestingly, as this bank failure progressed, financial conditions tightened dramatically on their own, right? That is what risk does. It causes people to yeah, clench up. <laughs> they, they clench up physically, but then they also clench up in all of the things that they're doing with their money. And so that's what risk does. And so um, as much as they have had to inject some more money into the system to bail out the bank, I, I think the clenching up of the money uh, of liquidity is is just as, if not more important. So the reminder of risk and the reminder that 400 basis points is going to play through, I think more than balances the fact that they've had to step in for this bailout.
0: Okay, so I'm wondering what this whole situation means for commodities. Um, assuming that inflation gets under control, that's gonna help somewhat. But if inflation remains persistent, that puts a lot of pressure on miners because all of their input costs are obviously much higher. That could then translate to higher commodity prices on the other side because a lot of these companies will no longer be profitable and able to extract the resources. So what could you lay out for us how you see potential sticky inflation
1: affecting the mining sector? Yeah, so... There's so many aspects to that, isn't there? You sort of touched on a bunch of them in the question itself. Certainly inflation makes mining more challenging. Mining is always a difficult business. It's hard to make money. Inflation doesn't make it any easier. Um, You kind of have to break it out um, sector by sector here or metal by metal here. I think the gold space is probably going to be just fine for now. Um, I mean, I don't, I think the Fed is going to keep its foot on the neck of the economy with through interest rates enough that we are not likely to see inflation ramp higher, dramatically higher again. So I think the question is whether they're going to be able to bring it from five, six percent back down to the more desirable to three percent, five, six percent inflation isn't fun but in an inflationary environment that is burdened with risk the gold price is going to do just fine and so gold miners are probably going to do just fine the 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 um harder path ahead is for the base metals right because we don't know what this recession this this rate hike induced recession is going to look like and It could be modest, it could be drawn out, it could be short, it could be deep. We don't We don't really know. I keep saying that what we need to do, that what base metals need is for us to get to the other side of it. And I mean, I, I wish it would just happen. I mean, so I shouldn't wish for a recession, but seriously, can we just like get it over with and then like get to the other side? Because once we get to the other side, the fundamentals are phenomenal for copper for nickel for silver for like they're really really strong the that said the longer this draws out the stronger those ensuing fundamentals get because we are just prolonging this period in which we're still not really building new mines right and this is something that we've already been experiencing for like 8 9 years since the last bull or 10 years since the last bull market ended so It's no fun, Um, it's not, it's a struggle. Costs are going up because of inflation, or costs are are not easy because of inflation. Interest has turned away from base metals quite clearly in the last two weeks because of this reminder of risk and what that means for global growth. Um, And so it's no fun to be a base metal miner right now. All of that said, I do think that base metal miners, miners as a whole across the metal spectrum, might be a little bit done, sort of waiting for the general market to just be like to to get super interested. I think they're gonna start doing. Some things just because they see the writing on the wall, like the the bullish writing on the wall. I think that M&A is going to pick up. I think that's we've got eight open transactions in the gold space right now. Like it's already happening in gold. And I think it's going to I think that's going to also happen in copper and nickel and silver, because like I say, the writings on the wall and these things, these miners, you don't prepare for a bull market when it starts you prepare for a bull market before it starts um so it, it's an interesting moment and, and i say that with some disdain because we've been waiting for a base metals market for so long no one's interested in buying at the bottom anymore or like preparing because we've all been preparing for this darn market for way too long and we just want it to happen but we can't control things and it's not happening quite yet but it just keeps Getting stronger when it does happen um, because of this prolonged wait for it to start. And do you think
0: we'll see more pain in the broader markets ahead? And if so, do you think that could drag down your base metals and uh, other miners even down further with it? And thus, you know, that that's not great, but it could present a potential buying opportunity. What What do you think?
1: Yep. There's <laughs> my short answer. Yeah, I do think that there's more. Pain ahead. Again, I don't know whether this is going to be a deep cut or whether this is going to just be sort of another leg down after 2022's um, deterioration in the markets. Again, we've we've been aware of this buildup of weird pressures in the market for a long time. So I don't think whatever happens is going to be super surprising. But I do think that we're going to have another leg down. It would be un it would be historically unique for. The S&P to or like for the markets to have already bottomed at this point in all of the other macro indicators of a market, given interest rates and, and mon- money supply and all of these things um, and yields. It, it would be historically unique for the market to have already bottomed. So the market is yet to bottom. And yes, when stocks slide base metal miners absolutely will go with them and gold won't have a won't have good days when that happens either um but the the thing to remember with gold is always that it rises up so quickly afterwards that you don't really want to wait until the moment is passed because when the moment's past, gold goes really quickly so anyways that it, it's hard to catch that falling knife or if i'm using that even properly <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, So I know one thing you specialize in is the metals and commodities required for the shift to the new green economy meeting that zero emissions goals. Could you talk to us a little bit about what metals you're watching the most in that space and how you see them developing the supply demand
1: fundamentals moving forward? For sure. Yeah. So my colleague and I just launched a new newsletter called Evergreen Investing that is about the inputs and innovations that are needed and therefore will perform through this green transition. And I want to be clear, it's not ESG investing. This is inputs and innovations. This is like metals, this is energies, this is, you know, things like carbon credits, agri-food. Um these are these are the things and the processes that are that make it happen. Um and is it weird to launch a new investing newsletter when the stock, when when we've just had an entire conversation about how we're going into a recession? Sure. But (laughs) the two answers that I have to that are that paradigm, that recessions slow down a paradigm shift, but they don't stop it. And the green transition is a paradigm shift. It's changing how the world works in every way. And paradigm shifts erase old opportunities and create new ones investing wise. And so as much as it's People aren't talking about the opportunities of green investing much right now. And fair enough. There's a lot of other things to um, take our attention, but it will come back. That conversation will return once we get through this. So I think it's important. And, and buying at the bottom is tough, but uh, you know, that's what recessions provide the opportunity to do. As for what I'm focusing on, I mean, of the things that we are going to look at in Evergreen Investing, the name of the, which is the name of the newsletter, I'm focused on the metals, the energies, and the carbon credits. And so, I think that there's, you know, on the energy side, um, I really, I'm a, I'm a big fan of nuclear energy. You know, um, uranium is undersupplied, and I think it's going to do very well over the next medium term because there isn't enough of it to fill demand as um, nuclear power becomes increasingly the baseload, clean energy of choice. Um, solar also has a lot of opportunity. that sort of leans into the metal side of things because one of the best ways to get exposure to solar is just through silver. There's lots of data on that about how, you know that that solar uses about ten percent of the market right now, but solar is expected to triple in its um demand over the next uh, over the next sort of 5 years short time frame so then it's going to take a third of the market but at the same time those solar panels are increasing their silver load so then it's very easy to see in a decade solar panels taking all of the world's silver and you're like well that doesn't work because it turns out there's other things that need silver so i think the, the outlook for silver because of energy demand is very good and copper is just There just isn't enough copper. Copper is infungible. We can't use anything else to move all of this green energy around. And um, the combination of a lack of investor interest, very conservative management teams um, since the last metals bull market. So over the last 10 years, you've had very conservative management teams at mining companies and really long permitting timelines that only ever get longer. Those three things, lack of investor interest, conservative management teams, and long permitting timelines just mean that we haven't had big new copper mines. Sure, there's been a few, but there haven't been enough. And so I think that the the fundamentals are very good there. And then the other one I mentioned is carbon credits, which is a whole conversation unto itself, but I see a lot of opportunity there as well.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Gwen. Very enlightening conversation. For those who want to hear more from you, uh, could you fill us in on the Resource Maven and anywhere else you'd like to direct people online?
1: Absolutely. Thanks for the opportunity to be here and to uh, explain who I am and what I do. Uh, ResourceMaven.ca is my website. I write a weekly newsletter about what I'm buying, selling, and thinking in the metals and mining space. I also... I have a service that offers access to financing opportunities for those investors who like to do that. And then I work with my colleague, Peter, on Evergreen Investing. Um, You can find that at resourcemaven.ca or at evergreeninvesting.ca. And that's a new newsletter. And Peter, my colleague, also writes Silver Stock Investor for those who are inclined particularly to the silver opportunity. And so, yeah, resourcemaven.ca is the home for all of that. Uh, And um, my contact information is easily... Findable there as well, and I'm always happy to uh, to answer questions from anybody who might have them.
0: Great. Well, it was awesome talking to you. VRIC, we're ways away, but it's coming up January 21st to 22nd. 2020. It was a great
1: conference just two months ago. So it was. Yeah, <laughs> it you. was.
0: So hope to see you at the VRIC. Hope we can chat before then. Once again on this channel, and uh,
1: you have yourself a great day. Thanks so much. Bye bye. If you enjoy my
0: content, do me a favor: follow or subscribe to this podcast.